This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The first reading is from Exodus. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. This is how you shall eat, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt I shall execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generation, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. Holy wisdom, holy word. The second reading is from John. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from the world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it in the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around him. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, one who has bathed 
does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, he put on his robe and had returned to the table. He said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now, the, the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in his self, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I have said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. about events that transpire at the Last Supper. The Last Supper that was celebrated in the context of the Passover. Most of you are aware of where the Passover comes from. It was part of the mighty acts by which God delivered the Israelites out of slavery to the Egyptians. It was the last and the most terrible of what have been come what has come to be called the plagues when pharaoh after hardening his heart again and again and refusing to let the israelites leave god finally announced the coming of the angel of death and that the firstborn of the Egyptians would die, and that would be the final thing that would break Pharaoh's will. But in order to protect the Israelites, they were instructed to sacrifice a lamb, to slaughter a lamb, take the blood, and smear it on the lintel of their doorway as a sign to this avenging angel to pass over this household. 
And then they were to take the lamb and roast it, and they were to eat it together. They were to make some unleavened bread and prepare for a journey. The bread unleavened because they didn't have time to make regular bread. They were to take their staff, get clothed, get packed, get ready to go because this was going to be it. And finally, afterwards, when they had come out, they were commanded to remember this day, to remember this great event and to celebrate it every year. And so they did. Down through the ages, every year they would gather together to reenact this, this act of deliverance. And this is what Jesus and his disciples were gathering to do when they met for this final supper together. They found a place to sit together. The food was prepared and brought out. The disciples took their place at the table. Now imagine it's Thanksgiving. And the families come and gather together. And they're all sitting around the table. The mashed potatoes are brought in. The, the green bean casserole. The, the yams. All that kind of stuff. And you get ready to say the prayer but there's no turkey on the table. By the same token, here the disciples had gathered together to celebrate this Passover, but there was no lamb on the table. And in the midst of this very obvious absence, Jesus inserts himself. When he does the table blessing, he lifts up this unleavened bread. He lifts up the wine and he says, this now is my body. This now is my blood. I have become for you the Passover lamb. And then he leaves the disciples to figure out for themselves what this means. If he has become the Passover lamb, then it is his blood now that will make death pass over. It is his presence that will preserve God's people. In the event of that first Passover, the Israelites saw it as a great act of deliverance for God's chosen people. That through this, they had triumphed over their oppressors and been brought out from the midst of the mightiest nation on earth into freedom as they headed towards the promised land. Now, perhaps... As the disciples thought about this, and certainly as we reflect on this, knowing what we know now, we 
intend to once again appropriate this event as an act of deliverance. And once again, here we are celebrating it year after year as an act of triumph on God's part, lifting up God's chosen people and preserving us over and against our enemies, against death. But there is one aspect of this story that is easy to overlook, which is that Jesus is Mary's firstborn son. Jesus is God's firstborn son. And when we take this realization and plop it back into the midst of this historic story, all of a sudden the interpretation isn't quite as clean as perhaps we would like it to be. Because now here is Jesus, the Passover lamb, in the midst of the chosen people, protecting them, but also here is God's firstborn son under the curse of death from this avenging angel. We have to go, well, when you look at Jesus' teachings, when you look at the things that he tried to, to uh, tell his disciples over and over and over again, we notice how much trouble they had getting it. How much trouble they had understanding what it was that Jesus was trying to tell them. Therefore, perhaps, if we think we understand a story and get too comfortable with it, perhaps we need to remind ourselves that this shouldn't be easy. Because it's confused a heck of a lot of people down through the generations. And I think we are liable to miss the heart of the gospel if we hear in this only a story of the deliverance of God's people. Because what Jesus is trying to open the eyes of his disciples to see is that he is both the Passover lamb and the firstborn son. He is both with the chosen people and with their oppressors. He is the one who both means life and means death and carries them both. The heart of the gospel lies in that Christ has come for everyone. He has come not just for the loyal elder son, but for the prodigal younger son. He has come not just for the Pharisee, but for the tax collector. He has come not just for those who are well, but for those who are sick. 
He has come not just for the Israelites, but for the Egyptians, for the victims and the oppressors as well. And that's where it gets hard. Christ does not give us the luxury of putting up walls. Christ does not give us the luxury of us and them. God does not give us the luxury of closing our doors and saying, thank God we're gathered here and God help the rest. Because the Passover lamb and the firstborn son stand together and beckon to all people. And we are called to love both those whom we get along with and those we despise. Those who love us and those who perform acts of unimaginable violence. Those who heal us and those who harm us. We can only begin to understand the full import and the enormity of the crucifixion when we see that Christ does this for all of us. This is the one who blesses the ones who crucify him. This is the one who holds out his hands on the cross in a vast cosmic embrace that will not be limited and will not be diminished. The Paschal Lamb and the firstborn son invite you to the great Paschal feast, the great Passover feast. There to taste life now and forever. Amen.